recording before I forget. Great. Um, that's great to hear. It's, it's interesting how vast the field of, of design is, right? Like, so I am obviously coming from the engineering perspective. Philip has so much experience with storytelling and to be able to share that with you guys, to build that skill as well, to help you become more compelling, um, more effective designers as you're able to communicate in a more compelling way. That's great. And the FIs told me that you had some really amazing stories. So I would love to find a way to, to hear some of them. I'm excited about that. Let's hear from Erama. What would you like to share? Hi, Heather. Hi, everyone else. Um, in your absence, we, I think the first meeting, we built a bridge, if I'm not mistaken. And I was so excited for my cohorts, for those who won. Honestly, they blew me away with their design. It was okay. just on point and it was perfect. And with the storytelling, um, it was so amazing that um, people were able to relate a lot of things in my cohorts. A particular group um, related their story to a hairstyle. And the relation was very good. And I was so amazed at their creativity. So in your absence, there's been a lot of fun. And we are glad to have you back. Oh, yeah. Happy to be back. That's awesome. I, I love the creativity you guys are exhibiting. You, you have it in you. It's just a matter of finding interesting ways to help get you to apply it. That's wonderful. Daniel. Yeah, hello, Heather. Hello, everyone. Uh, one of the key concepts that I was able to learn in last week's class concerning storytelling that is there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy creates distance between you and your audience, but empathy creates connection. You know, like empath sympathy, like it's just like you know, you're feeling pity for the people, yeah, like you're feeling better about their situation, but empathy is acting upon your feeling of it's acting upon your feelings for them and like you know, and doing something to show that like you know that you care for them and that you feel for them. Like, you know, we also went on to learn about the seven rules about storytelling, like how you can craft your story to become convincing and how you can convey it well to your audience. Great, great. That's wonderful. Yeah, I can imagine that using empathy is more effective than trying to build sympathy and that feeling of what makes you actually feel bad inside. Um, so I can see that from a storytelling perspective, how effective that is. Thank you for sharing. Wonderful. Okay, let's take the last one, Patience. Okay, good morning, everybody. So <clears throat> from the exercise on storytelling, what I understood was when you're telling a story, you should make the audience see the part they have to play in the story. You should not just tell them your story, but make them see their role in that story so they get to be involved in the solution. Because if they don't see the role they're going to play in that story, then they'll obviously forget your story. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Patience. That makes sense. We're human beings and we live on connections and relationships. So it makes sense that that would also help make storytelling more effective. Thank you. Wow, so you guys have been on quite a journey as designers up until this point in the semester. We've asked you to apply design skills in so many different arenas. We've had you build paper towers. We've had you build straw bridges. We've had you guys learn to tell stories. We're having you guys learn CAD. And this week, we're going to 
get you guys to apply your design skills in yet another dimension, which is the dimension of education. Interesting, right? Did you think about design as a tool for education before? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so I'm excited for this week's session because we're also able to bring on board some, um, some folks outside of the class to support us. And as you may have remembered, I mentioned on the first day of class that in addition to my work at Ashesi, I also founded and lead a nonprofit organization in STEM education. And we, we support teachers who teach science and mathematics around the country to make their teaching more engaging and practical. And so I'm so excited that this week we have um, a few people who either work at the NGO or our interns at the NGO. They'll be joining us in class today to share about their experience using design to impact science and math education in Ghana. And um, they'll be guiding you for how you can also uh, do the same. So applying the same kinds of design thinking and design processes we've been using in class, but now to create interesting and effective educational experiences. So today we are joined by two of those people. And then on Thursday's class, um, we'll have another intern also coming by, depending on which cohort you are in, you'll see at least one of, one of these folks as well on Thursday. So let me quickly introduce them, then I'll hand it over to them. So today we are joined by Leonard Asare, who is a staff member at Penn. He's our curriculum and training officer. He's been a science teacher for a number of years in different schools in Ghana. And uh, he'll be taking you through part of today's presentation. And then the other person taking you through is Isifu Al-Hassan. He is an alum of Ashesi and currently an FI. He studied computer engineering. Um, so you probably may have seen him around on campus already. Welcome Leonard and Isifu. And over to you. Thank you, Heather. Um, nice to uh, meet all of you and good morning to everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Right. So I'll wait for Isifu to share um, his screen for the presentation that we are showing to you today. Great. So like um, Heather rightly introduced me, my name is Leonard. I joined Penn not long ago in August this year. And in my role as curriculum and training officer, I'm responsible for facilitating Penn's teacher training, both in person and online, and as well as contributing to the development of quality hands-on training resources for teachers in STEM. So I will be introducing um, pen to you, tell you the scope of pen and what pen is all about. Heather has briefly said something about pen, after which um, Isifu will take you through the design process used to create activities at pen. Okay, so Isifu, please let's move to the next slide. Okay, so pen was founded by Dr. Heather Beam and registered as an NGO in Ghana in August 2017. 
Penn has also received accreditation from the National Teacher Council as a teacher training organization. So it means what this means is that um, teachers who go through Penn's teacher training programs gain points from the NTC towards their continuous professional development. Next slide, please. Good. So what is the mission of Penn? The mission of Penn is to enable every African child to learn by doing. So actually, um, in a study done by Heather and the Penn team some time ago, they discovered that less than 10% of junior high schools in Ghana contain a single piece of um, laboratory equipment. And also very few STEM teachers had the requisite training or professional development to overcome um, this issue. So what Penn does is to provide a teacher training program infused with the MIT style learning by doing to promote hands-on science and maths, regardless of um, resource constraints. So Penn offers a series of workshops where STEM trainers learn, design, and share hands-on activities, which complement the national curriculum. And these are created from low-cost and locally available materials. So the desire of Penn is for all teachers to be able to do practicals in their classroom, basically. So therefore, resources provided to these teachers are all based around simple materials that are locally available in Ghana. And some of these materials include straws, balloons, bottle tops, water bottles. And you'll be coming across some of these activities as you go, some of these materials as you go through the design process. Let's move to the, the next slide. Good. So what is the reach of Penn? Penn works with the Ghana Education Service and organize district-wide workshops for STEM teachers. So they gather, we gather as many, as, as many teachers from the districts as possible, spend the day with them going over so many hands-on activities that they can within the day. After, after that, we share ideas for ways they can teach the national syllables, but with the hands-on activities or with the hands-on um, approach. So now um, Penn has been able to reach over 100 um, science teachers. They've been able to train over 100 science teachers who also have in turn been able to train um, 3,500 plus of their colleagues. And these teachers, are in contact with over 600,000 students. So this is the reach of Penn so far. All right. Next slide. Good. So one problem that uh, most Ghanaians, or the mantra of most Ghanaian students is this chew and pour, pass and forget, right? Now this phrase um, is common to Ghanaian students and they use it to describe their schooling. So what happens is that students chew information, repeating facts over and over again, then they pour or encode vomit these facts out on the exams, which they try to pass, but then forget after they have written the exams. Also, they, they leave the classroom with no skill or whatsoever for their life. So this is a problem that Penn is trying to solve, whereby um, teaching and learning will be more hands-on and the students can leave the classroom with basic important skills that can help them in the future. Please, let's go on. 
Good. So what has been PEN's uh, impact um, so far? And PEN, PEN's impacts, um, um, an impact study has been done by PEN, okay, uh, in which a controlled trial was carried out in six public schools in the greater Accra region of Ghana. Now, this study provided evidence for the effect of PEN's practical teaching and learning approach. What was observed was that um, 97, there was 97% greater increase in exam scores with students who were taught the PEN way compared to students who were taught the normal way where they did the chew or pass and, and forget. They, 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 the study also observed an increase in interests of students towards science over the course of one academic year. Let's go on, please. All right, so um, as part of uh, PENS activity, we, we, we create um, hands-on activities, all right? And um, currently, this is the team that is involved in creating uh, quality hands-on mathematics activities for use by PEN. In, in, in his training. Um, so we all know Dr. Heather Beam, who is our founder of Penn. Um, I'm Leonard, so I'm the curriculum and training officer here at Penn. Isifu will be speaking to us shortly after. And Isifu is an alumni of Ashesi University. We have Evans, Rosemary, Benjamin, Jadis Aganda, who is a second year Ashesi student and Emmanuel Okai, who does our illustration. So all these are actively involved in presently in creating hands-on mathematics activity. We are also supported by friends of Dr. Beam in the US and some students in the US as well. So as um, Isifu takes you through the design process, you would understand why it's important to um, actually know about the importance of incorporating locally hands-on resource materials in the design process. Thank you very much. It's it over to you. Okay, so hi everyone. So as Heather rightly mentioned, I am an alumni of Ashes University and I hope to see you guys around on campus. Okay. So um, I'll be taking you through the pen design process, right? And when people hear practical, mostly our mindsets are reflected towards science. So yes, pen has hands-on science activities that are aligned with the Ghana Education Service curriculum. So um, right now we are working on creating a mathematics manual, which will also help teachers teach math and Ideally, in our normal traditional setting, mathematics is considered to be one of the toughest subjects if it is not like at the top of the list. So we'll be taking you through how we design our activities to help teachers teach mathematics. So for our design process, the first thing we do is we research to understand the needs of our users. So um, during the research, we normally visit schools, ask questions to the teachers, and then try to figure out what are the challenges they have in teaching certain topics. And then the next thing we do is we then come back, based on the feedback we get from our research, we sort of define the scope of what we'll be doing. So what and what are we going to do to solve the problem we deduce during our research? So after defining what we'll do, 
we also decide on how we evaluate our success. So we are successful if this and this happens. So if that doesn't happen, then we know that we are not successful. So after defining our scope of work, we then move to the drawing board where we sort of ideate and generate potential ideas. So based on uh, findings from our research, okay, so we are trying to solve the problem. What are the possible solutions? So at this point in time, we just ideate and get a lot of ideas that could help solve the problem. And after our ideation stage, we then design prototypes. So prototypes more like low scale version of what we want to do. And then with that prototype, we sort of review it with our users. And after that, we then implement our solution by then create more or similar activities to what we got from our prototype. If that's if we have positive feedback. And if we don't, we then have to sort of go to some other stage of our design process, right? So after implementing by creating more of these activities, what do we do? We then go back to our users again, we test the created activities, and then based on the feedback we get from them, we do some reviews and stuff. So um, a particular line is about to appear in this diagram out of nowhere. I would probably like one of you to um, tell me what you think that line represents. The green one there. And because I'm sharing my screen, I can't see who 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 is raising their hands. So, so um, someone could probably help me. Okay, I can see John. Do my answer is the same. Or you can go ahead. Yes, please. Okay, so it's like um, you take the feedback from the tests and activities, and then you put it into the your new ideas so that you can improve. Um, are you still talking? I can't hear you. Or oh, is my network? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I ended. I said you take the feedback from there and then you put it into the ideas, the ideation phase so that you can improve on your methods and other things. Yeah, that sounds great. I see two other hands. Do you, are you going to say the same thing? Are you going to add more? I can see Christian. Yeah, so please, I think what I have to say about it is since there are ideas, on potential activities about different kinds of solutions or ways to solve the problem. So I think if one is being picked to solve the problem and after testing the activities, uh, after testing it, you realize that one is not helping. So the line that is coming back to us is telling us that we are coming to pick another way of solving it, another approach of working on it. So, you know, solve it once again to see if it will give us a better uh, result. Yeah. Yes, that sounds perfect. Oh, you guys are amazing. Okay. So um, another question I would like to ask is, do you think uh, that should be our only back arrow in this uh, flow diagram? Um, John, your hand is still up. Do you want to take that or? Oh, it was from before, but uh, I guess I can speak. Uh, I think you also... Okay. You could also make one from the implementation to the ideation and from design to ideation again, because the more they are all forms of feedback, and the more feedback you have, the better you can make your products. All right, excellent.
Okay, so basically the back arrows could go from anywhere to anywhere. So at some point, if you realize that, oh, we have to go back here and do something else, then you can feel free to move back there. Okay, so this is just to show you that the design process is not a definitive, so it's more iterative. So you can move from one stage to another. Okay, so um, based on this design process, the next couple of slides are going to take each of the steps. So I'll take you through a journey of how we came up with some of the activities, right? Our research process, how we define the scope and all these steps. Okay, so sit on tight and then prepare for our journey. Okay. So the first one is to research and understand the user needs, right? Do you like what they were All right, so our first step is to research and understand our user needs. So in order to understand the needs of our users, we schedule an appointment with um, a school. So we went to visit them. Now the process we went through the first thing we did was we had to create a survey. So what questions do we want to ask them? What do we want to find out from them? So we created a survey of the questions we wanted to ask. So we used Google Docs. And then after creating the survey, we sort of ran test interviews among ourselves so that we see how things may pan out when we get to the schools. So after creating the survey and then running test interviews and preparing for our uh, research, we then schedule an appointment with the schools. So you have to schedule an appointment with them so they know when you are coming, so they expect you. And then we visited the schools. So when we go to the schools, we then sort of ask them questions. So this is what we did. You know, in the normal Ghanaian setting, people don't appreciate it when you are talking to them and you are using your phone. So instead of sending our phones to fill in our feedback in the Google Forms, we sort of printed hard copies out so that they know we are actually listening to them, right? And then whatever, they, whatever feedback they give us, we noted them down. And so in sort of doing a, a research or an interview with someone, there are a couple of things you should take note of. So you should sort of observe their body language you should listen to everything they are saying carefully. And um, maybe you could get some quotes from them too. And then there are certain points where someone will be saying something else and their body is saying another thing. So you should also take note of that. So it's not everything they say that is actually what they mean, right? So when you are conducting such uh, interviews, you should take note of that. And then one tip I would have you guys is maybe when you are doing your research, don't be afraid of silent moments. So for instance, you ask a question and the person gives a short answer and then it feels like it's an awkward silence. You could probably just wait for maybe five extra seconds. Something may come up. Probably the person is thinking of something to add. And mostly this thing could also be like the aha moment, like what you actually want to hear. So after our research and then getting the feedback from the users, we gathered back on campus and then um, put our feedback into the Google Forms we then created, right? So in doing so, to we're sure to um, be consistent. So let's say if you went to a school called 
Brekusu Primary School, right? And then when putting your feedback, you put Brekusu Primary School. And then the next time you put Brekusu Primary, those two will sort of be treated as different things. So um, it could be an issue when you are doing your analytics. So let's say you want all feedback from Brekusu Primary School. It may not give you the one you put as Brekusu Primary. So just take note of that in case you are doing something similar to this. Okay. So after the research, we have, and then putting our feedback in our Google Forms, we had to define our scope, right? And then our success criteria. So um, we analyzed our results and then summarized them. And based on the summary, our scope of work were uh, narrowed down to three things, right? So first of all, in order to make mathematics more practical in the classroom, we had to create activities that could be games that learners play. And in playing these games, they sort of get to understand some of the mathematical concepts they are meant to learn in school, right? And then we could also create activities that are movement-based. So it could involve like maybe the learners dancing, moving around, clapping, playing a, a, a movement-based game. So they sort of have fun. And in doing so, they still learn what they have to learn in school. And then the final one was to sort of create activities that involves learners using their hands to make or do things. So it could involve something like paper folding or just arranging stuff on the table and then visualizing some of the mathematical concepts. So that is our scope of work. Now, how do we evaluate if our scope of work is sort of successful in solving the problem we are trying to solve right so our success for our success criteria we sort of defined the nature in which some of us so what our solution should do right so our solution so we are successful if our solution does any one of these so the first thing is it should be able to help the teacher explain the concepts to the learners. So maybe we create an activity that maybe once the learners go through it, they understand the concept they were supposed to learn. So the teacher finds it easy to explain rather than just talking to the students. Okay. And then it either, so if it doesn't explain the concept, then it should be an application of the concepts. Um, I'm sure most of you play a couple of games that you apply your probability to sort of win the game or at least get close to winning the game. Can, you, can someone just unmute and say I, if they've done something like that before? Anybody? Yes. All right, sure. So yes, so it could be an, a fun application of some of the concepts they learn in class, right? And then the final criteria is it could be an assessment. I know some of us don't like assessments, but what if assessments become fun? Like you are playing a game and the more you win, the more your grades rise. You know, like we all like to be students. So it could be a fun way of assessing learners' understanding of some of the concepts they learned in class. So this is the scope of work, which is on the left, and then our success criteria, which is on the right. Okay, um, I see a couple of messages in the chat. Okay, so yeah, I see Minesweeper and 
going, I don't know what game that is. I don't know if it's a game actually, but if it is, I'm guessing it's probably fun. Okay, so um, the next step is to ideate on potential activity. Yeah, fun exams, fit, yes. So um, the next step is to ideate on potential activities, right? So during our ideation stage, this is where like we sort of generate the ideas as I mentioned previously, right? So um, in generating the ideas, so there are a couple of ways to get ideas, right? A lot of them. So the most common one we mostly use is we serve the internet to find potential ideas in explaining some of the topics, right? And you guys, you guys are tech savvy, so you know how powerful the internet could be sometimes. All right, so you either you could get some ideas or inspirations from the internet, or some just come from your brain, like you are just there, and all of a sudden some genius uh, revelation comes to your mind, and then you're like, yeah, Eureka, let me do this. So as these ideas come in, it could come from a conversation with a friend anywhere at all. Sometimes you are just walking around, and you see something, and then you picture it, you're like, I can use this here. So ideas come from anywhere. So you should always be alert to take note of the ideas that occur to you at any point in time. So most of the time you can type it somewhere or if it's a link from the internet, you can copy the link and paste it somewhere so that you can always revisit it when you need it. And you could also just write it down. And now you guys have like powerful phones where you can take notes and stuff. So just be sure to put down any idea that comes to mind. Don't trash any ideas at this point. So in the ideation stage, mostly we are more concerned with quantity over quality. I repeat, quantity over quality. I know we are people are used to saying quality over quantity, yes. But at this stage, the more the merrier. If you have more activities you can select from, then the better your chances of selecting the best one out of them. I hope you guys agree with this statement. So at this point, don't trash any activity. And that's what we do. We don't trash anything. We take note of everything at this point. Okay, so after we ideate for potential activities, the next thing is the next thing we do is we design and then we review our activity prototypes. So first, let's look at the designing of the prototypes, right? So um on the picture at the left here, so you can see someone putting a couple of stuff together. So we are using like low scale version. We are creating a low level version of the actual activity, right? So anything at all we can find. So you can see that these guys are also writing something down and then, so, and then you can see these guys are also cutting stuff from papers, right? So the thing is, at this stage, what we did was we paired up the team. So each person works with another person so that we have like internal reviews. So let's say I come up with an idea. So when we get to the prototype stage, this person will be like, oh, okay, I think it will be better if we do this. It will be better if we do that. So you sort of build up on your ideas as you go. And having a second person to look at what you've done is one good way to make your idea robust and more efficient actually and simpler. And you will also be sure that a third party would be able to understand what you are trying to convey across, right? Okay, so um, after designing our 
prototypes. The next thing we do is we review our prototype with our users. So remember, the user is always important. Okay, so we sort of book an appointment, like I mentioned earlier. Once you want to visit somewhere that you don't own, and I bet most of us don't own a lot of things, right? So you have to book an appointment. Let them know you are coming, so they expect you. So we book appointment, and then we go to the schools. So when we go there, too, we sort of review what we have with our users because we are not those going to use it. So you see a couple of pictures of some of our users, and then so some of our users testing some of the activities we have. And so this is also one of uh, one of the members of the team. This was these pictures were from 2019, where um, a team of Ashesi students uh, spent one week of their time. So most of these guys are my mates. One week of their precious mid-semester break. I'm sure most of you are sleeping or having fun during this period. So these guys sacrificed that time to create impact in the educational sector. So they applied the design concepts you guys are learning to create to make mathematics fun for students in Ghana. So, and, uh, so these are still some of the pictures from our review with our users. So at this point in time, remember, it's not about you. I repeat, it's not about you. You are not the one going to use what you are creating. So just follow along see how your users um, react to what you create, see how they feel. And I remember um, some of you mentioned uh, the difference between empathy and sympathy. So don't sympathize with them, empathize with them. Try to understand it from their perspective. So if you go and then they trash something you designed, which you spent like one week of sleepless nights working on, and they said, no, we don't want it this way, we want it that way. Try to understand why they want it that way because nobody wants to design something nobody uses. So just take note of that. And this is what we did during our design and review stage. So after designing and reviewing our prototypes with our users, we implement our idea by creating more activities, right? So this is the thing. We sort of review our prototypes with our users. So if the prototypes are welcome, like, if the users are willing to accept it and they think it's a great idea, and we see that we get a lot of positive feedback, then we implement. And then, so by creating a lot of ideas or activities like the ones we tested. So if we don't get a positive feedback, then we have to go back to some other stage, probably the research stage again, and then try to find out what went wrong. Then we go through the prototyping stage again, and then we go back to review our prototype. So that's why I mentioned earlier that the arrows could move from anywhere to anywhere. Is that cool? Yes, yes. Okay. So this is a very crucial point to what we do. To implement uh, more of the activities, right? We have to use a particular um, curriculum, which was designed by the Ghana Education Service. So uh, the National Council for Curriculum Assessment is under the Ghana Education Service. So they're in charge of the curriculum. So there's a curriculum that every school in Ghana uses, right? So 
what we do is we take the curriculum and then try to align all our activities to the curriculum, to the requirements of the curriculum and everything expects the learning to learn. We take that and then we design at least one practical activity per topic. So just think of your worst mathematics experience. You're in the math class, the teacher was teaching and then you were seeing blue. You weren't even seeing the markers on the board. Everything was blur. So we take all the topics, including that topic, and then we create fun, practical activities for them so that you enjoy that lesson and every learner gets to understand what they are supposed to understand. So after we create uh, more activity ideas, we then test our activities, right? So we test the activities and learn from the feedback we get. So this is like uh, at the ending stage of our design process. So you realize that there are sort of two testing, but the first one is just reviewing our prototype with the user. I hope they've taken attention. Okay, so we sort of go back to our users and then we test the activities we create, right? So the first one was uh, reviewing our prototype and the next one is testing the actual activities with them. So if you observe throughout the stage, the user is always in mind. So anything you are building, you should build with the user in mind. So the steps we use for this, which I'm sure I've repeated more than once, the first thing is we schedule and then book appointments with the schools. And then before we go to the schools, we actually have to gather the resources for the activities we are going to test. Now, gather the resources. Pen's point is to use local available materials, not just local available materials. Now, some local stuff are very expensive. So cheap local available materials. So we have to use these materials to create our activities. So when we are building, we have this in mind. Our activities don't have to be expensive. And it shouldn't be in such a way that it's difficult for the teachers to find the materials, right? And now the uh, activity, the picture you see in the background is a simple activity for learners to compare numbers using uh, stones so that they they actually see the sign that they should put in the middle. So rather than doing three, five, and then the learners decide whether it's less than or greater than, and then they'll be lifting their arms up and like, right is greater than and stuff, which is sometimes confusing when the numbers are flipped. They actually see the sign using the straws. And this activity, the initial idea is to use a broom, but you can see that here we have straws. So Sometimes you can improvise on the materials and that is something you guys should take note of. So improvise, improvise. So you, some of you, maybe you are building something and you need some heat engine or something. You can improvise with something else. I don't know what you use to improvise for heat engine, but you guys are good. So you figure something out. So remember to always improvise if you don't have exactly what you need. Okay. And then the next thing is to visit the school. So we sort of visit the schools and then we demonstrate the activities to the teachers. So we demonstrate it to the teachers, not the students, to the teachers. Okay, 
So we sort of explain to the teachers because it's the teachers that are going to use this to teach the students. So let's say the teachers are sort of our primary point of contact and the students will be like our secondary point of contact. So after demonstrating and then the teacher understands the activity, we observe how the teacher teaches the lesson with the activity we just demonstrated to them. So this is more like something, let's say observational shadowing. So we are in there with them and we are observing what they are doing. And sometimes we get the chance to do what they do. For instance, during the testing, um, we went to one school and then the teacher was demonstrated, uh, was teaching one of the activities and then had to attend to something in, something administrative. So he had to leave the class. So we had to take over. And then so we, we continued. So more like, you sort of, this is where empathy also comes in. You get to actually do what they do, feel what they feel, think what they think, and you have a better perspective of how to craft your solution. So if you are doing your research and maybe you're working on a project and you get a chance to do something like that, you should cherish it and utilize it efficiently. So after we observe them, the topic, we sort of get feedback from them. So as I mentioned earlier, we sort of write it down. Then we go to uh, create everything in a central point. All right. So then the next, so as I mentioned, the next thing is to record in our Google form, right? And then as I mentioned earlier on, to remember to be consistent. If you want to use uh, Google Forms for analytics to summarize your stuff and present good charts, be consistent when you are entering your feedback. Okay. So after getting our feedback and then summarizing everything, we revise the activities we have based on the feedback we get. So the teacher said, oh, this will be better if you do this, this will be better if you do that. So we sort of get all the feedback from them, right? And then we modify the activities. And this is the thing, we test, we don't test all the activities because they are a lot. So we randomize, randomize the selection. So we select random activities, a lot of them, like about 30%, we go and test. And there are some general feedbacks that cut across. Maybe you use the pencil for one activity and the teacher say they don't have a pencil. And you remember there's another activity, you have a pencil. So you have to go and review that. So even though you didn't test something, feedback from one thing could inform changes you could make to another thing. Okay. So now that I've been talking for a very long time, we have something interesting for you, right? I'm just going to show a sample activity, and then you will tell us what you think might go wrong in using this activity in the classroom, what is wrong with the activity, and then I also ask you to suggest possible uh, modifications. So we have an activity called the human number line, okay? And according to um, the curriculum, that's for basic six. Basic six is primary six, or uh, is this fifth grade? Anyway, primary six for the Ghanaian uh, educational uh, grades, right? So, and these guys are mostly around the ages of 10, 11, yeah, let's say 11, 12, thereabout. Okay, so the curriculum is asking the teacher to teach learners to locate, compare, and other sets of integers using the number line and symbols, right? That's so we have like less than or greater than. 
So they have to use number lines to compare and other sets of integers. And we design an activity called the human number line. So I'll just let the picture flow and then you guys should tell us what you think is wrong with this activity. That's if anything is wrong. I'm not saying something is wrong, but let's hear your views. So at this point, you can just put up your hand and then. Okay, so I see innocent. Yes, innocent, go ahead. I think maybe um, one thing that we could see is if a person was learning for the number line, they are wrongly arranged. So assuming everything else behind the concept is, is okay, uh, the numbers are wrongly placed. So someone might be confused to now think that negative numbers are found on their right and then uh, positive numbers are found on the left because these... these um, these numbers would be serving a person who's seeing, not actually the person who has them on, on themselves. Okay. All right. Excellent. So um, we have Christian. So Christian, go ahead. Yes, I think what I wanted to say is uh, what Innocence has already said. And even with the negative numbers, bringing them to the left side, it should be arranged. Um, I think Counting from the left, the, the three should come first before the two and then the one. So you can see okay. that the order that I think with the arrangement is very wrong. Yes. Okay. Um, Innocent and Christian, can you put your hands down so I see the others? I can see Eileen. I hope I pronounce it correctly. Um, yes, that's correct. So. Okay. Even if we interchange the numbers that take the negative ones to the left, maybe the the guy in the picture, he should be facing the back one to four. Like, yeah, his back should be facing us. <laughs> okay. So his back should be facing us. Should the papers should be uh, still be in front of him? Sure. Please come again. He said his back should be facing us. So um, I was just asking if the paper should still be in front of him. The paper with the numbers. Like, to avoid confusion of which one is left or right. He should not face okay. the numbers. He should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get the point. Okay, I see something in the chat too. Um, Yes, the direction in which the students are sitting. Okay. And then someone says, what about amputees? That's excellent. Yes. So that's a couple of things wrong with this activity. And um, John, I see John, your hand yeah, is um, Yes, go ahead. I was going to speak about the, the amputee situation. How it might make some students okay. feel left out. So you have to take okay. accessibility and inclusivity into account whenever you are designing stuff. Yeah, that's right. And I will be very interested to hear from Procure Owusu. I don't think there's something wrong. Yeah, I like that. Let's listen to you. Um, I think it, it all depends on how and um, what 
you are teaching them. I don't know. I would have said um, the numbers to your left are negative and those to your right are positive, which is like, okay, if I'm going to use this um, boy to demonstrate. But I think it's what you are going to tell them. I don't know. Okay. What you are going to tell them. Very key. Yes. Um, two hands came up or three. Okay, so I can see um Mohammed. Uh, okay, so um if we consider that this is the perspective of the children, and we see this is the children in his on his right hand you have the positive numbers, and on his left hand we have the negative numbers. And on the middle there is zero. I think that's the right order. From okay. him, from his perspective, if he's the one facing me, yeah. Okay. Um, I can, I can see uh, patience. Okay. So I think the order of the numbers will be respect to who is being taught. For example, if this is a person being taught and the others are okay, like you're telling the person your left hand is negative. But now if the person is in front of the class to demonstrate to other students, then I think he should turn around. Like the number should still be in front of him, but he should turn around and face them with his back so that the numbers take the right position. Thank you. Okay. So it's all about perspective, right? So um, while we are doing this, let's just blend this in. So let's, and you guys have done that already. So suggest changes you will make to this to make it better. So um, Christian, your hand is up. I don't know if you want to take that. Yeah, so I don't know. I think uh, with this one, it's not about you, but it's about the people, the audience, the people who are listening to you. So I think it's not about it being right from your perspective, but it's about it being right from their perspective. And you standing facing them and you having, you know, so it means now your left is going to be their right and your right is going to be their left. So if you are taking it from your perspective, I think it's going to confuse them, considering the fact that they are basic students and then JHS students, and then their minds are not really that matured for it. So it's going to kind of confuse them. So if you will be able to okay. turn your back and then use your back to demonstrate for it to be right from their perspective, it will be great. Okay. Yeah. Um. So... Can you guys see the picture well? And the key word here is see. Because someone has not, you guys have not mentioned something I'm also expecting to hear. Anybody? Okay, I see John. Okay, I also feel like um, the way you're just using the head and then the two arms. It feels a bit limited because I see that you put the numbers on the joints. So mm -hmm. you can count up to only three because you have three joints like until your wrist from your elbow. Yeah. Right. So if there's a way to include more numbers, because Go as children as children, they might think that's well, like that's the limit from positive three to negative three. But then if they wanted to go further, they would have trouble doing that because they don't have any more joints. Past the arrest. Um, 
so uh, I'll, I'll just take one more person, uh, Innocent. So I, I, I heard you asking, uh, can you see well, like the keyword is see, could you please just repeat that question? Just so that I could answer it more accordingly. Okay, so I said uh, there's something I was also expecting to hear, but nobody has mentioned it before. And I said, can you guys see the picture well? And the keyword is see. Okay. Um, so so I, I, I think um, if you're talking about can you see uh, the picture well, uh, for us, we can see, uh, but assuming that this boy maybe was the, was the subject of, um, of, of this learning procedure, the boy himself cannot see what is happening with the number line. Their eyes are closed by the number line. The, the zero is actually closing their eyes. And uh, whatever concept we're trying to teach, they, they are not cognizant of what's happening. Okay, that's right. So you are good at riddles. Um, while we are here, just one question from the side. Can anyone guess the the color of this guy's trousers? Anybody? This is not a quiz. It's just for fun. Anybody? You can put your answers in the chat. Um, can you come again, please? Yes, guess the color of the trousers. Yeah, just put it in the chat. If you are right, you feel happy about yourself that you are good at guessing. But please don't go and type all the colors in the world in the chat. Okay, so I'll just move on to the next slide. Okay. All right. So um, you guys have given great feedback based on the activity, right? So based on the feedback you've given, we are just going to sort of explain to you why it is important to get feedback from your users and also why it's important to iterate through the design process. So our human number line, right? So we have this guy. And then those of you who said blue, well done, excellent. So you are good at guessing. And blue is my favorite color, by the way. Okay, so this is the original idea, right? So we have the numbers. And the idea is to make sure the positive numbers on the right, negative numbers on the left, as you can see here. And then, so we had an internal review to just discussing it among ourselves, so what could go wrong? And then there was this issue about not having enough numbers, right? And then we also reviewed this with um, a few teachers from Kwabenya, right? And then they also mentioned the fact that the numbers are flipped. So this person is going to be in front of the class, right? So even though from that person's perspective, the numbers are right, those watching him will see that it's flipped, as you guys rightly mentioned, and you guys are very good you know, at you know, reviewing stuff. Then your predecessors who took this course, we also asked some of them, and then some of them said the student with the numbers on him will not be able to participate. And you guys can rightly see that. And some of you mentioned that the person cannot see and um, the person is actually there. The numbers are on him. So in order to even look at the numbers too, it will be an issue. Okay. So now to solve some of these uh, feedback, right? We try to modify the activity. So in order to add more numbers, as you guys mentioned, so we decided to use the fingers to, to add numbers. And then because the numbers are flipped, we sort of, changed it to now we have the negative numbers 
on the left, that's if you are facing uh, the positive numbers on the right. And as someone mentioned in the chat, the same thing, the zero should be on the chest. Yes, the zero is on the chest. So you are also a genius. Okay, so now this is it, right? We've sort of modified our activity based on feedback. So if you observe the internal review, so let's say we reviewed our prototype, then we went back to redesign the activity. Then we went to review it with the teachers. That's sort of the testing. So from the testing stage, again, we had to go back to our drawing board again to modify the activity. So you see how, more, how iterative it is. You go back and forth with your users and you go through a lot of reviews. Now, this is the thing. At Penn, which is Practical Education Network, we also have a couple of layers of review where we look at the activities internally in different stages too. So we look at it based on creativity, feasibility and stuff, right? And Leonard, who is here, actually did the review. So he also looked at the new version of the activity. Now, this is something you guys should take. Okay, can you guys hear me now? Yes. Okay, so I got disconnected, yes. right? So um, let me just reshare my screen. Okay, so um, I don't know which part you guys had to, but if you have this nice idea and you don't want to change it, but your target audience needs you to change it, please feel free to change it. Activities do evolve. So you can start with an idea that could be like paper plane and you end up with an aircraft. So yeah, feel free to change your idea as you move along. So during our internal review, right, we sort of, this guy is a toy, right? So um, we, made, we brought the activity to life based on Leonard's review. So Leonard's review now led us to create an entirely uh, slightly new activity, which was built on this. And this is still the human number line, except that everyone gets to participate. All the students now get to participate. So here, each of them holds a sheet of paper with the numbers where they then arrange themselves in a number line. And I think the guy with the zero is wondering if that's his exam score, so yeah. But this is the final idea based on review. So you guys should know that getting feedback is very important and using the iterative approach to so the design process is very iterative. You go back and forth over and over again. Okay, is someone talking? All right, so I'm just going to take you through the format of the activities, how we create our activities. So the first thing is we name our activities. So the previous one was called the human number line. 
Then the next thing we have the substrand topic and the topic itself, so the number and the topic, which is from the curriculum. Okay. And then from there, we have the materials needed. So we sort of list the materials you need, the objectives, what is it supposed to do? Uh, maybe guidelines to do this or that. So the objective of the activity, then the procedure involved. So the procedure, we put them in steps yes, and we bullet them. So procedure one, procedure two. Then we write the observation. What might be observed when performing this activity in the classroom? So maybe some things will not be explicitly observed. So you can state that here. And then the theory, what theory is the activity trying to demonstrate? And then we have subject specific practices and then core competencies, which are from the curriculum. There are certain things like GES want the learners to know at the end of the lesson. And we normally garnish our activities with a picture. So we normally put the picture where it, where it, where it appears on the slide. And please take note of this because you'll be creating an activity of your own. I hope you guys will be excited to do that. And so based on this format, these are some of the pictures of the activities. So the activities could be as simple as using broomsticks to compare numbers, or interesting as the boring old ladies game, which is called bingo, and fun as the bowling game, which learners use to practice addition and subtraction, or artistic as using the perimeter person. And it could also be as simple as using matchsticks to learn Roman numbers or cards to do multiplication. And it, it could also be as fun as allowing learners to choose their own fit during the early morning mental by spinning this spinner to solve whichever one they get, right? And then as maybe indigenous as our local Owari game, which learners could use to learn place values. So our activities come from a variety of uh, genres, right? Which is interesting. Yeah, somebody likes mental. So at least this mental, the teacher will not look at your face and say, I don't like you, you 272.5 times 321 times two. At least here, you, go to, you get to choose your face by spinning. Okay. All right, so that is our activity format. And then we are going to show you, give you a sample activity and then how it looks. So um, for lower primary, we have the human clock. So you can see that we've listed down our mat uh, materials, the objectives, the procedure, then the theory, and then some of the core competencies and subject-specific practices, right? And then for the upper primary, we also have another activity, which is a name tag, where like learners sort of put a multiplication uh, expression on as their name tag, and then they wear it, and then they give a trick to solve the solution, where then uh, at the end of the whole day, you don't call them by their name. So right now, you guys should not call me AC for and Maybe you should call me 512 times two, something like that. And then I will have a tip to solve it. So using mental strategies. So these are sample activities, and we will be excited to see yours when you create them. And at this point, we would want you guys to do some review. Okay, so I'm just going to switch here. Um, there's a short breakout room activity for you guys to have fun with. So um, in this activity, we have 
a couple of activities we've designed. We didn't, we uh, have our the activity name. We have the topic, it is from the syllabus. And then um, the objectives, the materials, near the procedure. So this is what you guys are supposed to do. And you have the questions here, right? So you first of all, state your group number, you'll be put in breakout rooms, okay. And then the name of the activity you are reviewing, which we have put here. And then you, so we asked for some of your comments on the activity. So does it fit the criteria, our success evaluation criteria? What could be added to make it more fun, livelier, if you were in the class, something like that. So you get the chance to critique some of the activities we have here, okay? So this file is on Canvas, as Heather rightly puts in the chat, right? So, and then it will be uploaded to the chat too. So just download it, then you go into your breakout rooms, then when you come back, would like to see some of the interesting things you create, uh, the reviews you give and the suggestions you put, because these suggestions will help us modify the activity and make it more fun for the students. So um, Heather, I think we are ready to go into the breakout rooms. Thank you, Isifu, for that awesome um, overview of how the design process is being used for education. So just to clarify something while Salom gets the breakout rooms ready. Oh, actually, do I have to make you the host? Let me do that. Okay. Um, issue with the breakout rooms. Okay, so um, just to clarify what Isifu has said. So in this file, which he's showing on his screen, which is also on Canvas, there are two things there. Part one is what you're doing right now before class ends. You're going into breakout rooms um, and reviewing an existing activity from hands-on mathematics. So we have an activity already there. We want you to go through the review or feedback portion of the design process that Isifu has described. So what comments do you have? What modifications do you suggest? We want you to type those out and then submit whatever you have today. We expect you to be able to do that, hopefully even within the class period, just as you did right now for the human number line. Capture your feedback and suggested modifications. So try to finalize your discussion before we leave class today. Upload it on Canvas by 5 p.m. latest. Then there's a part two later in the file, which is what you're going to do for your presentation on Thursday. So just like we've been doing the last few weeks, you've learned something on Tuesday, then you are gonna apply it and present on Thursday. So for Thursday, you'll see you have a second activity listed next to your group number. You are to develop a new activity for that. So keep in mind all the great guidelines Isipu has shared and ideas he has shared and work together in your team to develop an activity for a new math topic that we that doesn't already have an activity associated with it then you're going to present it on Thursday in class on campus and the FIs will tell you at the end how you can get some materials from them to support you with that. So we should be ready to go into the breakout rooms, but Selwam, tell me maybe verbally if there's a problem that we can address right now. Or Frederick? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, so we created the groups, but it froze. There are lots of froze. We restarted it. So now we have to recreate the groups. So we are about to send the list of the various groups for the different cohorts so that the students join those specific groups. So we'll be doing that shortly. All right. Okay, sounds good. So you'll everybody, you'll find your group number, then join the rights breakout room. You'll be in the same groups today as you will for your Thursday presentation. All right, do we have any questions on the instructions? Julia. Sorry, I was a little off for a while because of my internet connection, because of the bad weather. I didn't really, I don't really understand what we're supposed to do. There's a file with all the instructions. It's on Canvas and someone will be sharing it in the chat here as well. It's called POD Hands-On Mathematics Activity Design Assignments. So there's two parts. Part one you're doing right now in class, which is to give feedback to review an existing activity, type up your response, submit it on Canvas by 5 p.m. latest. Part two, in your same groups, identify the topic that you've been assigned based on your group number, then develop a new hands-on activity using simple locally available materials to demonstrate that concept and present it to the class on Thursday. Are the instructions clear? Um, yeah, I think I'll have to go through it to get what you're saying. You are submitting as a group, one submission per group. Okay, someone who has the file, can you kindly put it in the chats? Anybody who has the file? Okay, thank you, Makafri. So I don't know if my explanation wasn't clear. Isifu, can you, is there a different way you would describe the instructions while we're waiting for okay. the groupings to be shared? All right, so um, what we did with the human number line where you guys gave like amazing critiques, right? So you are supposed to do the same thing. So basically play the devil's advocate, which is an interesting thing people like to do, right? So just criticize what we have. What is wrong with the activity? Oh, this one, the learners cannot do this. The one who is doing this will not be able to participate. The one who does this will not understand. People who have this will not understand. Similar to the thing where the feedback you guys give for the human number line. So after giving your critique, you just take your critique and find solutions to them, right? So you suggest changes that could be made to the activity. Now, this is the thing. You can just modify certain parts of the activity, like we did with the human number line, the first transition where we then flipped and then added more numbers and then remove the sticky notes from the forehead. You could also create an entirely new activity that you think could better teach the topic. I hope that makes sense. Yes, it's written. So can I come in? Yes, please. Yes, so actually on the file, you can see there are two different groups of activity, one for part one and one for part two. The activities in part one 
activities that have already been created by the mass team here at Penn, and you are supposed to critique it. And when you look at part two, these are, you see topics that have no activities at all, right? And with the part one, two groups are working on one activity to critique, but with part two, um, each group has an has a new topic to create an activity for. Thank you. So FIs, let's share the groupings. Let's let's find a way to share the groupings with them now. I'm sure you have a file with their groupings, so they can at least see their group group number and then start reading which activity they're supposed to work on. We're sending on the list now. Okay, I've received the email. So everybody, please check your email to see your group number. Then as soon as you find your group number, please join that breakout room and begin your discussion with your team. We just have about 10 minutes to have your discussion, 10 or 12 minutes. So quickly have your discussion see what kind of feedback and critique you can make for the part one activity next to your group number. So we'll, we'll have the breakout rooms open until about three minutes before the close of class. So please go into your breakout rooms now. Patience, do you have a question? Yes, Ms. Heather, please I want to ask that uh, has a link been dropped for our various groups? Because here the breakout rooms are not assigned, we just have to join. Yes, yes, that's what I've been saying. You have to check your group groupings. It's been sent on email. I see it's now been posted in the chats too. Check your group number from the files that have been shared, then enter the breakout room that matches your number.
Newton. Um, there are two groups that I'm in. There's a sheet one and sheet two. I don't know which one I'm supposed to join. In sheet one, I'm in group four, and in sheet two, I'm no, no, use the math hand hands-on sheet. There's a sheet uh, named math hand uh, Hello? Excuse me. Hello? Yes. Yeah, please. Um, I'm in group 20, but um, I'm not sure how to get to the breakout room. Go to the bottom of Zoom. Click okay. join breakout room. You might have to click the three dots. Hey, what's your name? I can assign you as well. Jason. Pardon? Jason, Jason. Jason, okay. Take group, what's your group number again? 20. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Hello. 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 Yeah, hello. Please, where, where do you see our groupings? Because uh, I can't. Pardon? Where do I can't you see hear. our groupings? Where Where will we see the group we have been assigned to? It's in the chats and it's also in your mails. Um, hello, Frederick. Yeah. I'm um, actually for my cohort. I checked for my name, but it's missing from the list. Which cohort? Cohort B. And what's your name? It's marvelous. marvelous. Sure. Let me just, let me just check it for you right now. Hello. 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 Please, I can't see the the groupings in the chat. Uh, 
Um, Jim, right? Just scroll up. You see cohorts B groupings, cohorts D, and cohorts C.
Frederick, let's close the breakout rooms, please. Sure. All right, welcome back. Unfortunately, time was not on our side with this exercise. So I'm sure you guys may need to touch base with your team after this to finish your feedback. Sorry, I thought you would have enough time to do your feedback, but we didn't quite fit it in. So please keep talking with your team to finish your feedback. Type up your comments and post it on Canvas one submission per group. Also, please um, touch base with the FIs, or I'm going to let the FIs give you instructions on how you can get materials and prepare for your presentation on Thursday. So remember, part one, due by 5 p.m. today on Canvas. Part two, you are presenting with real materials in class on Thursday. Let me say that one more time. Part two, your feedback due by 5 p.m. today on Canvas, part two, due on Thursday in person where you're making your presentation on campus. FIs, please, uh, one of you please unmute and tell the class any instructions for the materials. Yeah, so for the materials, they can come to the fluid mechanics lab like they did the last time. Uh, also, the winning group from each cohort is supposed to do a maximum five-minute video. That this is for the storytelling, right? To do a, a maximum of a, a maximum five-minute video and share with us so that we can share with the class so that we vote for the winner to be presented on Thursday. Yeah. So. Great. Any clarifying question before we close? There's supposed to be an assignment slot on Canvas. If there isn't one there yet, the FIs will make sure it gets there for today's own, for today's submission. All right. So, okay, Palal. Yeah, to clarify, please, when are we supposed to pick up this stuff for uh, presentation? 
Frederick, what time? What, they... Well, they can't come now, I guess. That's tough. So we are available till five. No, sorry, four thirty. Okay. And, and, also can, and I think. Can you put the building in the chats, please? If that's okay. Sure. Okay. And FIs, I think you wanted them to have thought about their activity before they come to you, right? So they know which yeah. materials to select from. Yeah. Rhonda? Um, yes, I just wanted to clarify. They said that the winning team from last time, we have to make a video, like a video recreating our story. So a video telling your story. So just like what you presented in class, just tell the story, make a video of it so that we can like properly choose a winner or the, like we can properly choose an overall winner. Okay, so just the story. We don't do it the same way we did it in class. No. Okay. All right, we're out of time. Thank you all. Please uh, finish the things that we've just mentioned and look forward to, we all look forward to seeing your presentations, your demonstrations on Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 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 Yeah, we are using the same groups for Thursday as well. Yes. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.